To begin. Are you watching closely? To begin. Clytus, I'm bored. How to start? What plaything can you offer me today? In Life Itself, a memoir, Roger Ebert begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it. The audio surrounded me. Molded by it. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. I've been thinking about making the opening to the show shorter. Welcome, by the way, to the first syllable, the show where ostensibly I'm putting together a screenplay idea slowly for a screenplay called The Last Syllable of Recorded Time, which is a time loop story referencing as many previously existing time loop stories as I can put in there. The introduction, the opening to this show, before I start talking, is pieces of stuff that went into my opening for Cock and Bull Minute slash Cock and Bull Movie Talk which was a movies-by-minutes show in which I was determined not to talk about the movie that it was about, because that was the point, because Tristram Shandy is all about avoiding the narrative that you're trying to get to by having too much backstory. It's supposed to be this thoughtful thing about film, and I'm not sure if it fits with this show exactly. I think I need something shorter and simpler, because this show is more just casual thoughts. I need to get back to where I was when I first started the show, where I recorded like three episodes in a week once because I just had something to say about something I was working on, thoughts I had. Now it's like just updates on progress, and there's not much progress, and so it's what do I do? Speaking of which, updates of progress. It was the 7th when I watched Meet Cute, which I mentioned last episode. It is now the 16th as I record this. That's right, I'm only recording a couple of days ahead, because at the moment this is still the only thing I'm recording and editing. The uh, creative block, autistic burnout, COVID wear and tear is still here. And so I haven't gotten back into the existential trilogy, my three movies by minute shows that are running currently. In case you haven't been keeping up, that's Manusha X Machina, The Groundhog Day Project, Minute by Minute, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. They have like 30 episodes or whatever out there, so you can go catch up if somehow you found this show without previously being a listener to those, which is unlikely. Since the 7th, so in the last nine days, I've watched seven other movies and some TV stuff. Time loop related, I watched. This is time loop adjacent, adjacent ish. I watched Army of Thieves, finally. If you don't know, that's a prequel to Army of the Dead, and Army of the Dead has this moment that implies a time loop or a repetition of events where they find dead bodies that have the same outfits as them. And it's a weird moment in a movie that doesn't need a time loop thing, because it's already a heist film set during a zombie apocalypse, which they also digitally erased an actor and replaced him with a different one. So there's a lot going on. Army Thieves was good, but there's no time loopy stuff going on in there. 
And I watched Bullet Train that same night because, hey, heist movies. It's not really a heist movie, but it fit. Then Brian and Charles, also not a time loop movie, but I did write down a line from it because it amused me. He says, please, Brian, I am stuck in a loop. Please, Brian, I am stuck in a loop. It's about a robot. And then I have watched four time loop movies, and I also rewatched the Black Mirror episode, White Bear. The movies were Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, Open Graves, Predestination, and Somewhere in Time. The first one is the closest one to an actual just time loop repeating over and over and over kind of movie, but different. If you know the movie, they use time loops to protect themselves. They hide in them, be peculiars. So it's not the same thing. And then Open Graves is essentially one loop of what's going to be a repeating week because this guy fucks up his wish at the end and basically just resets it so that he doesn't know they're going to go into this problem. It's basically Jumanji as a horror film. These 20-somethings play a weird ancient board game. Well, it's not ancient. It's from the 1400s. 1485, I think it says at the beginning of the film. Spanish Inquisition is where it's supposedly from, but yet the cards are written in English, which you could chalk up to magic, I guess, because it's a magical board game. Then Basically, the game predicts how you're going to die, and then supernatural forces make sure that happens. The person who actually plays and wins the game gets a wish, and the guy makes a wish that it was a week earlier, and they never played the game. Unfortunate phrasing doesn't wish that he knows about the game. So they're just going to play it again and go through the whole process. So they're just going to keep repeating this week. Just an interesting idea. Predestination is more time travel, but it is this loopy... I don't even want to spoil it because it's bizarre. Based on a Robert Heinlein short story called All You Zombies, which is a phrase I'm definitely using in the script. If Connor refers to himself as a day tripper... He, or probably Dez, because Dez is more of the dick of the group, will refer to all the regular people going through the regular day as all you zombies. Because they're mindless, relatively speaking. They're just doing what they do. Over and over and over. And then somewhere in time is basically just one infinite loop. Old woman comes to playwright. A few years later, he figures out how to go back in time and meet her when she's younger. His disappearance at the end of that part of the story is what prompts her to go into seclusion and eventually come and find him when he shows up as a playwright decades later and tell him to come back to her. And so he figures out how to time travel, goes back to her, and that's it. And it's a romantic thing. It's also specifically referenced in Groundhog Day by them using, um, what's the title? Was it 18th Variation on a Rhapsody by Paganini?
didn't even want to update today. I mean, there's not much there. I was watching White Bear, and that's basically just a single loop. So I didn't watch any, you know, Phil Connors kind of loops. I do have a few to rewatch. I have a bunch of loop things to rewatch right now. I don't know of any that I haven't seen. I think there's a Christmas one on my Netflix queue that I haven't seen previously. I'm trying to watch them regularly again, get some notes, get back into this with a little more oomph. And I hope by next week or the week after to be recording again on the other shows and get back into that. Meanwhile, I did make some progress in my head about the characters because I was thinking about who they are. This is something I put in my notes. Ro was a great actress, but never really cared. Gave it up upon graduation. T was good and has had minor success, but still has a day job. Dez was arrogant and ruthless enough to make something in theater, but his personal life is shit. Connor had dreams, more writing-directing, or was it music, but failed to make anything of it. I'm still figuring him out. That's part of the problem why I can't start writing the actual thing yet, is because my main character is still a cipher? Partly? Not entirely. That's not fair, but easy way to understand it is there's important parts of him I don't know yet, so I can't start writing him. Outside my notes, I think I know who they are. Ro was good at what she does, but she wasn't into it. Once she was out of high school, she didn't go to college. That's why she ends up just living, you know? L-I-V-I-N. <laughs> just semi-off-the-grid, hippie lifestyle. T did some acting, but has had to work to sustain it. Des, maybe it wasn't all acting, which is probably, I think, what he wanted. He wanted to be the face of things. But he has done some, had some producing and directing success where his, like, ambition and ruthlessness and his dickishness came in handy. But also, I see him as this kind of playwright who probably has an affair with his leads often. Maybe not his leads. Maybe minor actresses because it's easier to manipulate them. And I don't know if his wife knows about it, but I feel like she knows something's off. Their relationship is strained. And then he's taking advantage of this trip and then especially taking advantage of the time loop once he's in it to cheat on his wife some more, you know, in the company of men style. Des isn't a great person, but part of the point of the story, and I think Connor's perspective especially, is that when it comes down to it, I'm like, you're looking at death. You're looking at the end of the universe. How much does that stuff matter anymore? Meanwhile, Connor, I don't know how to write about him being into music, I think which is part of the problem. I, I I pictured him maybe as like he was into music more and maybe composed some stuff for plays in high school or something. And it was he was more behind the scenes. And so he didn't care about the acting thing. He didn't go off to be in theater. He may have gone to school, but didn't amount to much. Dropped out or got a bachelor's that didn't mean anything. And then he, if it was music, maybe he had a band he was in for a while, but they didn't have great success. He's in LA, so they got some gigs, but it was never enough. And at some point, he gave it up. I think he might have been married. That's one of the things I'm getting into is, is there another person in his story that I need to have intact? An ex? Because it would make sense. Especially if this is 25-year reunion and that's where we're going with this. is Because they're in their early 40s then. There's got to be some more explanation of how he became who he became. Why is he managing a store when that's clearly not ever what he wanted? Does he still have dreams of being a screenwriter or a musician or an actor? Maybe it was just that he studied in L.A. because he wasn't interested in stage, but he did want to be an actor. 
And, you know, he was a classic waiter wanting to be an actor for a while, but that didn't pay the bills well enough, especially maybe once he got married. Then maybe at some point giving up on it means he didn't have the energy to do his relationship anymore either, and it fizzled more than broke. And it's fun to think about stuff like this because it's stuff that might not be mentioned specifically. It's more just my understanding of the character, and it's helpful, but it might not go into it. Will we meet his ex-wife? I don't know. I know we'll hear about Dez's, so I'll probably end up putting Connors in. If I decide he had one, I'll find some reference to get to in name or something. But I think I'm starting to get an idea of who he is and why he is who he is at the age he is. Is that he tried for something, and then he didn't make it, and it kind of broke him a little? He settled. And then more recently, he then had to sort of take a, I'm just going to say sabbatical, but that's an education thing, uh, leave from work. Fortunately, he's a manager, so he could do it. Had to go back to his hometown, which wasn't far off, because he always stayed around L.A. to help deal with his father. But then, even more recently, he is staying at a hotel so that he doesn't have to deal with talking about the other stuff going on. And that's when he ends up in the loop. And I know he and T were the two that were closest. He and Dez always got along. They've known each other longer than any others. And Roe was the one he always had a crush on in high school. But so did everybody, I think. I think she was that girl. Always got the lead roles. Everyone liked her. But she was weird outside of the stage. So charismatic, but not a cheerleader type. Yeah. It's fun. To just think of these backstory stuff that might not even show up in the text. But will definitely be part of the, you know, subtext. Still some things to figure out. And I have a bunch of things to rewatch. But also I'm still in the fall semester, so I got time. In the meantime, if I get around to it, maybe I'll shorten the intro and the outro for this show. Because... I don't know if it needs anything so complicated, as if this is all about the meaning of film and all that. A machine that generates empathy. It's a great line, I love it, but I don't know if this is that show. Or is this exactly that show? I don't know. Anyway. Cut. Cut. The, uh... It's a past stuff that dreams are made of. You're still here? It's over, Johnny. It's over. It's over. Nothing is over. Go home. Nothing. You just don't turn it off. Go.